0: I believe this may be going to be the last Sunday for Clay and Bailey. They're graduating this coming Saturday. Of course, they're part of the rodeo team over here at Valley, and uh, so they're going to be riding off in the sunset, (laughs) leaving us, uh, but they'll be uh, doubling up on that. They're getting married, uh, and so uh, we wish them the best, and be sure to get around and tell them to be praying for them. it's should have been good to have them these few years here in the church while they've been in, at, going to college here, so we appreciate them and want them to know that. Wish you the very best and everything, and, and Bailey, just, uh, just a little word of advice. If you'll carry a baseball bat, Clay will stay in line. <laughs> Amen. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to this morning. Sure is good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. And I'll tell you what, when you think of all the other places you could be, you could be in jail, you could be in the hospital, you could be, well, you could be six foot under, who knows? But anyway, we're glad to be here this morning, glad you're here with us. It's just good to be around God's people, hear the good songs, and the Lord lifted up teens, you did a wonderful job on that, appreciate it, and appreciate all the music and the blessing. Matthew chapter 3, we'll begin reading verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that spoke of was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, uh, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Well that sounds delicious, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, when I when I read that, I think, about, I think about when our missionary from Uganda, Matt, came here, and he brought that can of, of uh, grasshoppers, and then he had to have the pastor eat one in front of everybody. He said, what it taste like? Let's go on and read. I'll tell you later, amen? <laughs> then went out uh, to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan and were baptized of him and Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to him, or come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits meet for the for repentance. And think not to say, Within yourselves we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his weed into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill the all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and, lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and lighting upon him. And, lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. If you look back at verse 3, where we'll take our text this morning, and as we look at this, it says, For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, The Voice of One Crying in the Wilderness, and let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning asking that you would meet with us. Lord, we need the hand of God in our lives today. We need the hand of God in our nation, in our churches, in our homes once again. Dear Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Help us, Lord, to magnify you and glorify you, Lord, even as you was glorified and magnified in song. May the preaching do likewise, Lord. May you be lifted up and exalted. And dear Lord, I pray now that you would be with each of us. Help us to examine our hearts. Make sure that we are saved, first of all. And if not, Lord, I pray that those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, if they don't know that they'd go to heaven today, Lord, I pray that uh, you would draw them to that they would receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray every Christian here would be stirred to live for you, Lord, in these last days, Lord, help us to lift you up and exalt you, Lord, before this world that they might see you. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. You'll be seated. We find here, the, the scripture says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. You know, we hear a lot of voices today. And I'm not talking about when you're just sitting around and hearing voices in your head. I'm just talking about we hear a lot of voices, people crying for different things we have social media we have all kinds of technology and and it's just amazing all the different ways that we hear people making their announcements and calling out this thing and that thing and you know we have everything from people the voices of those crying for for justice or for animals or or for immigration or for the police reform or the covid or the black lives uh move Uh, Matter movement or whatever it is you name it we're hearing the voice of everybody around us it's continual it's it's all always uh uh out before so continually you name it we hear it the voice is speaking out whether it be good whether it be bad whether it be ugly whether it be immoral whether it be ignorant and I'm sorry I have to put that in there because some of it is we're hearing it today we're hearing all kinds of types of Of messages and and people are lending their voices to and there's some that are good but there are mostly those which is a bunch of junk and we're continually hearing that voice continually around us. You have the politicians, you have the news media activists, you say you call them an activist, yeah because most of the broadcasters anymore, they're not broadcasters, news broadcasters, they're not reporting news, they're activists and so they're lending their voice to that. We have the the uh, sports figures, we have the Hollywood elitists who think that the world revolves around them. Say, preacher, you sound like you got a bad attitude this morning. No, I'm just telling you how what these voices are, amen. And uh, of which every one of them is vying for your ear and for your allegiance. Those voices are speaking out, trying to get you to follow and to listen to them. And uh, to be honest with you, every one of us are going to hear those voices, but it's up to us whether we see whether they're worthy or not to be listened to. What really makes a voice important is the message that it gives. Not only the message that it gives, but who they represent. We find here that John the Baptist is a voice crying out in a wilderness. He's speaking up. He's speaking out. People are coming in here and he preach. People are getting their hearts right. People are turning to the Lord. And so it's the right type of voice. He has the right cause. He has the right representation. And so we're going to look at that this morning. First of all, consider the voice crying in the wilderness. Who is he? This is the son of Zacharias, uh, the the child of Elizabeth. uh, When she was up in her years and she had had this child named John, uh, a a child that uh, she was supposed to never have. And yet, because of God working in opening up her womb, she conceived and she bare this this child to Zacharias, who was one of the one of the priests there in the in the temple. And now here's John. He's out in the wilderness and he's crying aloud. He's lifting up his voice. He's sparing not. He's telling people that they need to repent. Look in verse three. It says for this is he who that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. It was prophesied that this voice would come, this one that would come and, and that he would speak up and he would speak out about the coming of the Messiah, about the coming of the Lord, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so it was, this is the one that was prophesied by Isaiah, that all men would, would hear him uh, speak out and would proclaim the coming of the Savior, the Messiah. Not only that, but in John 1, we find in verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And so we find that this man was sent from God. Not only was he prophesied by Isaiah that he would come, but this is a man that was sent by God. It wasn't just somebody said, hey, I think I can fill that position. I I read it over in the the book of Isaiah that that there would be one that would proclaim this. I think I can fill those shoes. No, this was the one that was sent by God to do that. This is the one that God said, hey, listen, I'm going to send John into the world. He's the one that's going to do this, and and he's the one that's going to be a voice with a message, a, a message of great importance to all men, a message from God. A lot of people never stop and realize this. If you, when we see John come into, into play here, we're in the New Testament. He was prophesied of coming in, uh, in, in the Old Testament. And sometimes we, we begin to, to, to separate things completely from the New Testament and the Old Testament. Do you realize that John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet? He was the last Old Testament prophet. He was, you said, but he's in the New Testament. I understand that. But before the ministry of, of Jesus Christ, he steps on the scene, he begins to, to, to uh, speak out. He is the last one that is of the, the, the Old Testament prophets, and he speaks about 400 years after the last prophet. 400 years. Israel had not heard from a prophet in 400 years. And now, here's John the Baptist. He's stepping out into the wilderness. He's completely different. It's been 400 years and he begins to to preach. He begins to tell the people to repent. And and there's a great revival, you might say, takes place. They come out to hear him preach. They're baptized. They're repenting of their sins. They're turning unto God. They're having a great revival. Hey, listen, could I say today that we've been in a dry time also in in the United States and and in certain places around the world? We're needing a wide-sweeping revival in our land, but it's going to require a voice in the wilderness. You say, well, preacher, we live in cities. We live in towns. They're big wildernesses, and and they need Jesus Christ, and there's going to have to be a voice that's going to speak up and, and proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ in our day. I'm not talking about just one, but I'm talking about all voices who know Jesus Christ their Savior. So this is the one crying in the wilderness. His life was a part of his voice. His life was. He wasn't just an ordinary man. Look there in verse 4. It says, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and of leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. I like what an old preacher I heard preach one time, and he's, he was talking about John the Baptist. He said he'd get up there, he said he'd stand on an old, old stump. He said he'd have some, some honey going in this side of his mouth. He said he had a, a, a leg of a grasshopper hanging out over here, and he'd bellow like a bull. <laughs> repent. I'll tell you what, we need something to bellow like a bull today to repent. But you look at this, this description of him, he was wearing a leathern girdle. He, his vesture and everything was made out of camel's hair. He lived in the wilderness. He ate wild honey and locusts. You say, it sounds like a homeless man to me. And you know what? In our day and time, we would look at that and that's exactly what we'd say. We'd say that this was a vagrant or we'd say this was a homeless man that was living out in the, you know, in the, in the streets or whatever. But you got to understand, in that day and time, those folks knew what a prophet many times looked like. And I'm not saying that's what a prophet to, or a preacher or anybody is supposed to look like today. No, this was a day in time when their mind was still fresh upon the fact that they had prophets. And uh, even though it had been 400 years, they, they remembered that there were prophets and so in, in what we find here, the Israelites were all aware of how many of the mighty prophets of God, how they looked and how they conducted their lives. And it was so different than everybody else, such as Elijah, the prophet, the mighty prophet of God. If, if you read uh, about Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, And they answered him, talking to the king here. And he asked about this man who had said something, who prophesied about the king. And then he said what did he look like and they answered him said he was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins and he said it is Elijah the Tishbite it's Elijah he said I know because of the way he way he looks he's the one that's prophesied this he's it, it's got to be Elijah it's got to be it's got to be him the prophet of God so John was actually the last of the old testament prophets through which we see here in, in the New Testament. Because he was different, because of his message, because of his life, the people came out to him. They didn't go, He didn't go into the towns. He didn't go into Jerusalem. He didn't go into uh, all the other towns around him. But they came out to him, out into this wilderness. There was water there a lot of times where he was preaching because it, it talks about him baptizing them after they had repented. He preached in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 3 there in verse 5 and 6 it says, When then went out unto him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. You know what? Uh, this world should see a difference in our lives. I'm going to say it again. You just didn't hear me. This world should see a difference in our lives as Christians. Too much of of Christianity today is the same old thing that looks like the lost world and acts like the lost world and talks like the lost world. There needs to be a difference in our lives. There needs to be something that people will come out to and see. Hey, and they may not like it, but hey, listen, they're going to say, there's one thing about them, they're different. I'm not talking about strange different. I'm just talking about, hey, listen, that we shouldn't be like this world. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They should see a difference in your life if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning. Come on, talk to me. Hey, listen, there ought to be a change in your life when you get saved. There ought to be a change. There ought to be a change when you receive Jesus Christ. And Titus 2 in verse 14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And Noah says, And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now I'm not talking about being strange, strange. I'm just talking about that there ought to be a difference in your life and in my life than the world. Because if there's no difference, why would the world want what you have? I see so many Christians walking around today and some of them walk into church today. They, they sit down in the, in the pew back there and they throw their bottom lip over the pew in front of them because they're so unhappy and not enjoying being saved, not enjoying the things of God. I mean, and, and somebody looks at them and says, man, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. There ought to be a change in our lives. There ought to be a stirring in our souls. There ought to be something that they say, that's what I need in my life. The fact is, hey, listen, this world's looking for some answers. This world's looking for something that's real. This world's looking for someone that has a voice that can speak out for the Lord and lift up the Lord that they might know the Lord and that they might hear from God and understand uh, the message that God has just like they were looking in that day and time. They hadn't heard from a prophet in 400 years and, and now here's John the Baptist. He, he's he's preaching uh, a repentance and, and turned to God and they're going out to see him. They're going out to hear him. They see something different than what they see from the Pharisees and from the Sadducees and in, in, in the in their churches in their temples uh, hey listen the people have been going into the, the temples and, and making their, their little uh, 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 offerings and, and doing their sacrifices and after a period of time because of the deadness and the coldness and, uh, of all the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious crowd all of a sudden here's John he's out in the wilderness standing on an old log a bellering like a bull repent uh, for the kingdom of, of heaven's at hand and they're coming out and they're hearing him they're seeing a difference. It's not religion, it's something that'll change their life. And this world's looking for something that will change their life. This world knows that there needs to be a change, and religion will not change it. Today, the problem that we have in America uh, is religion. Many times, it's the deadness and the coldness of religion that sends people to hell. So there was a difference. Our lives will and should demonstrate our voice for the Lord and be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was there a difference that drew them, but this this was a voice of warning. A voice of warning. Look there in verse 1 and 2. It says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And here's his message. Repent. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no greater message to be preached than that today. We're living in these last days. You can say, oh, preacher, we've been hearing that for years. See how close we're getting? But the Lord has never come back. The Bible says in a day and an hour when you think not, the Son of Man returns. You know what, and I've done this before, and I've done it here before, but I can say, how many of you think the Lord could come back today, have you raise your hand, and hands would go up everywhere. And then I would have to say, okay, be 100% honest, because God really knows your heart and mind. How many of you really think he'll come back today? And if he was honest, most hands wouldn't go up. In a day and an hour when we think not. You see, we're, we're living on the cusp. Of, we're living on the, on the very uh, point at which the return should, should, is about to take place. You say, preacher, but what prophetically has to take place before the return of Jesus Christ to catch us out here? The rapture of the church. Okay, you want to know what has got to take place? So that you, when that takes place, you'll know that we're there. Okay, here's what it is. Nothing. You get in your Bible, you study it. You talk to Bible theologians that study prophecy all the time. We're at the point where nothing has to happen for the rapture to happen. By the way, isn't it amazing that now we have Russia flexing their muscles? Should I take you over into Ezekiel 38, where the Ezekiel 38 battle is, where Russia comes in to to fight against Israel. And you say, but they're not they not—they're—they're doing that up there in a different place. They're not doing it down towards it. No, they're just flexing. They're getting ready to move all over the place. You say, well, doesn't that happen after, after the rapture? No, that probably happened before the rapture. While the United States and Western countries just stand there and do dialogue. And say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And God will take care of it. But what I'm saying is this, we are living in a day and time with the the return of Jesus Christ to catch us out of here in the air. I'm not talking about him coming back to the earth. uh, That'll be what they call the second advent. That'll be after the tribulation period. But my friend, I want you to understand something. That we're going to go out in the rapture. We're sitting at the very point where the rapture could happen before we walk out those doors. And so the message shall be repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's how close. You say, well, preacher, do you think it's going to happen this year? I don't know. Well, do you think it'll happen in five years? I don't know. It might be ten years. But I'm telling you, we're getting close. If you look at what's taking place and how fast things are are beginning to go like a snowball and build faster and faster and faster, we need to be uh, 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 that voice that is with the message that John the Baptist had, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. A voice that declared repentance and the coming of the Lord. There was was and is an urgency to turn uh, to the Lord for the day of the Lord's at hand. This uh, past Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon, I guess you'd say, uh, I I drove the the bus, took the track team, uh, Brooke runs the track and everything. I drove the bus and took them up to Grandview and... and, uh, uh, Curtis was there. We was visiting everything during the, the track. We'd stop and watch her run, you know, but then we'd go back to, walk, you know, talking. But anyway, uh, uh, there were some storms moving in. And you could hear the announcer and everything announcing. We could hear him calling this, 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 this event, that event, everything. We'd hear it. I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it unless you hear, Brooke, Barger, and then, oh, yeah, something's going to happen here. And we'd pay attention. Or the, we'd hear the name Marshall. They getting ready to go into an event. But all the others, it didn't mean nothing. And all of a sudden, after most events, it was down about, I don't know, uh, uh, quarter to six or maybe uh, 20 or six or something like that. All of a sudden, he comes on there, and he, he gives, his voice begins to change a little bit. and He says, everybody needs to get off the field. You need to go to the uh, gym or back on your buses. We're going into a lightning delay. I thought, well, that's a fast delay. No, he meant lightning strike delay. The storms was moving in, and, it was, and he kept announcing that until everybody left the fields. There was an urgency to get them off the field. There was an urgency, because, and the announcement came, a voice came uh, out, of, out of nowhere. Uh, uh, hey, listen, everybody needs to get off the field, get into the gym, get into the buses, wherever you, you can. And because there's a storm coming in, there's lightning going to be present. And, and sure enough, there was lightning, and there was uh, a rain, and there was a storm came in. And so we had that warning. You see, as we see the day approaching of the coming of the Lord, we need to lift up our voice and our lives that others might heed the warning, the urgency of it. There was an urgency to get those, those students off of the track field, but there's an urgency to get people to Jesus Christ in the day and time in which we live. you realize uh, uh, putting it off and thinking, well, maybe the, I'll tell them some other time, it might be too late. Life is short. Life is brief. The Bible says it's like a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. On our way home, we began to get all these, these messages that there was a, uh, a terrible accident out on 70. And so we cut off up at Concordia. It was backed up all the way up to Sweet Springs or, uh, or somewhere up in there. And so we got off at of Concordia and come around the back way to bring these kids home. There was a message went out to warn us. Hey, listen, you're going to be stuck in traffic. But can I tell you something? There should be a message going out. There should be an urgency in in our lives. Those people that that was in that accident, uh, I understand that maybe one of them in that back truck may have uh, passed away from the accident and everything. Hey, listen, they probably never figured that that would be the last day that they'd ever drive a truck. They never thought that, hey, listen, this is the day that I'm going to step out into eternity. Everybody has an appointment with death. We don't know the day or the hour of that. We need to be prepared. We need to be warning. There's an urgency. Also that Christians might turn their hearts back to the Lord. Not just to reach the lost, but that Christians might get right. That Christians might come back to the Lord we got so many uh, professed Christians today that are, are living out in the world and living in sin and not walking with God and not trying to serve God. Hey, listen, it's important that every Christian get their hearts right. Why, preacher? Because they're influencing somebody either for Jesus Christ or for the devil. It doesn't matter if they are saved. People are watching their lives and we've got to get back, we've got to get Christians back to the Lord. Begin to preach the Word of God. Begin to live for God. Begin to be an example for the Lord again. Romans 13:11 says, "And that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now's our salvation nearer than when we believed." You see, preachers need to get their hearts on fire again and lift up the message of God in these last days instead of playing religion. We got too many churches are playing religion today. That They're just there. It's just like a country club. It's just like a club or something. getting together and just sing a few songs. Make everybody feel good. Go home and, and wait till next week. Hey, I want you to know something. There's a fire burning and we need to, we need to be able to, to help people to, to avoid the fire. Isaiah 58 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show the, my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. That voice needs to be lifted up. The voice cried out with clarity of conviction when John was preaching. Conviction and not compromise. There in Matthew 3 and verse 7 through 9 it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Can you imagine when you all come walking in the door, if I had been standing here and I said, Viper, you wicked thing, sit over there. Viper, who hath warned you for the wrath to come? I mean, the deacons be having a talk with me. Say, <laughs> so what would you do? I'd look at them, and say, Viper. <laughs> well, John the Baptist, he didn't. He didn't compromise. He was clear. I mean, he left no doubt in their mind what he thought about their religion. You see, they were religious, but they were lost. Can I say something this morning? You may be religious. You may be here. You may have your name on this church roll. You may have even been through the baptistry. You may have made profession. But until you know Jesus Christ with your heart, not your head, with your heart, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's with the heart. You're lost. And you need a Savior. Religion won't get you to heaven. Baptism won't get you to heaven. Church membership won't get you to heaven. Being a good person won't get you to heaven. Only when you realize that you're a sinner lost and, and, and undone and you need a Savior and you turn to Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive you of your sin and come into your heart and life and save you with your heart. He goes on, he sells them, Tells him, he says, and think ye not, or think, or think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able to, of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He said, Listen, I'm not impressed with your heritage. He was rough. He was rough. He was calling the religious crowd to turn to the Lord from the religion to repent and show it by the change in their lives. Look at that again, he says, he says, uh, uh, verse 8 says, Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. He said, show me, show me that you've changed. Let me see a difference in your life. Do you want people are watching you and me and they're saying, show me there's been a change in your life. Show me that you truly know Christ as your Savior. Show me that you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. Show me that you're putting your trust in him. John's saying, I want to see some fruits. I want to see some change. You see, it's time for the church to be the church, not the concert hall. We got too many concert halls today. We're not in the entertainment business, we're in the business of reaching souls for Christ. We don't need to turn the lights down low. And strum on the old banjo and, and everything else. Hey, listen, we need to. Li- and I'm not against banjo. I like a banjo. Amen. If I can ever get Leah to get with it, we're gonna get her and Dale and Kathy and them up here, and she's gonna get her bass out. We're gonna get that get that banjo and that guitar going, and we're gonna we're gonna have us a time. Amen? amen. But we're not in the entertainment business. We're gonna turn the lights down low and have a stage band come on here and just try to hype you up. No, my friend, we're gonna sing about Jesus Christ and lift Him up. Amen. Yes. We don't need a concert hall. We need a church. We need a church. It's time for Christians to get back to praying, not playing. It's time for, for Christians', to, uh, Christians li- uh, lives to, to be given to holiness, not Hollywood. It's time to, to shout glory to God instead of hooping it up for LeBron James. Oh, You shouldn't have been quiet on that. I don't care if it's LeBron James or what sports figure it is. Hey, listen, we ought to to be shouting for Jesus Christ instead of some ball player. I told you last week, hey, listen, you can train a seal to put a ball through a basket. (laughs) Jesus Christ went to cross for you. Oh, how we ought to begin to shout glory to his name to lift him up. It's time to get the heart on fire for the Lord instead of the reality stars in Facebook. Hey, listen, let let God's people act and talk like God's people. Matthew 5 uh, 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This voice cried out of judgment to come. Verse 10, it says, "And, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He's saying two things here. Number one, he's saying, listen, there's going to be a judgment. A judgment's coming. He said, he's looking at the tree. He's looking at your life. He's determining what's right and wrong in your life. He's, a, he's the one that's going to judge. The axe has been laid at the tree. Hey, listen, he says, if the fruit's no good, he's going to cut the tree down and let her fall. It's going to be gathered up. It's going to be thrown into the fire. It's going to burn up. He's talking about lost souls who don't know Jesus Christ, their Savior. You can be religious. You can go to church. You can go through the baptismal water. But, my friend, if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you're going to be cast into the Make a fire one day with no hope of ever getting out. Hey, listen, the axe is being laid at the root. Christians we need to begin to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and that others might see Jesus Christ it goes on and says he said he's talking about baptizing he said he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost hey I want you to know something when you got saved the Holy Spirit came in he took over in your life and you should let him lead your life you should let him direct your life you ought to live for the Lord and allow God to do that he said he said goes on he talks about and with fire he's not talking about some uh, uh, the the tongues that uh, the, the fire cloven tongues that stood over them that was a wind actually that stood over them he's talking about those who that he will burn one day in the lake of fire forever and ever my friend there's a fire coming and and we ought to be warning people there's a fire out there he speaks of the saved receiving the hand of God the lost who reject Jesus Christ Revelation 20 and verse 12 he says and I saw the dead small and great stand before God the books were open, and the, another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in were in it. And death and hell were delivered up, or delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were ju- and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell. We're cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You realize why we need to lift up our voice? There's a fire. There's a fire burning. People, every time I step my fingers, somebody's dropping off into hell. We need to warn them. We've got to be that voice in this wilderness. You see, many don't want to preach about hell, but it's still in the book. And the lost need to know that there's only one hope, and that is to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. The saved need to be stirred to keep as many out of the lake of fire as we possibly can. It might be a friend. It might be a neighbor. It might be a family member. It might be a coworker. We need to be doing everything we can in, this, in these last days to warn them, to keep them out of the fire. You say, Preacher, they don't want to hear it. Warn them anyways. Warn them anyways. They need to know. Though John was bold, though it was a bold voice, also it showed humility. Look in verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized to him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to, ba- I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him suffer it to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness and then he suffered him I can imagine as John the Baptist was baptizing him he'd been preaching repent he'd been talking about the one that's coming the one that's preferred above him the one he said I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes He said, I'm not even worthy to do that. And here the Lord Jesus Christ steps down and says, I need you to baptize me. He says, no. I need to be baptized of you. I couldn't baptize you. Jesus said, suffer to be so now. The reason he was telling this is so that people would realize that, that Jesus came to those in need, that he was of a lowly heart, and that he cared for all. If you remember how Jesus gird himself and took a pan of water and he washed his disciples dirty feet, Peter argued with him about it. What Jesus was doing was setting forth an example, a picture for us to to understand that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter what your bank account says. It doesn't matter uh, what kind of car you drive or what type of house you live in. He came to seek and to save the lost, all mankind. We see the humility of John here. That voice that was so bold, even to call out the the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. You see, if it were not for the grace of God, I'd be lost. If it were not for the grace of God, you'd be lost. I'm no better than anyone else, just a sinner saved by grace. That song, just a sinner saved by grace, says, if you could see what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, then I know you would see a miracle of love that took me in its sweet embrace and made me what I am today, just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, He took my place. Now I live and breathe in freedom. With every breath of life I take, loved and forgiven, backed with a living, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. How could I boast on anything? I ever seen or done. How could I dare to claim as mine the victories God has won? Where would I be had God not brought me gently to this place? I'm here to say I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, He took my place. Now I I grow and breathe in freedom With each breath of life I take, I'm loved and forgiven. Back with the living, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Now I grow and breathe in freedom. With each breath of life I take, I'm loved and forgiven. Back with the living, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You realize this morning, Christian, if you're saved, hey, if you know Christ, you're saved. You're just a sinner saved by the grace of God. Hey, there's no reason. We can have a bold voice, but my friend, it ought be one that's humble. Isaiah 6 there in verse 5 says, speaks it well. When Isaiah has seen the Lord high and lifted up, it says, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then we need to be that voice in our wilderness today. There in verse 2, he says, saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. We're to lift up the Lord. Our voice is to lift up the Lord. Our voice is to magnify the Lord. Our voice is to tell of his wonderful works unto man. Oh, how I could stand here this, this morning and, and just brag on him and talk about the goodness of God and, and all that he's done in my life and in the lives of those that I've seen over the years, how he has touched hearts and lives, how he has healed, how he has met uh, needs, how he has answered prayer, how he has forgiven, how he has changed people's lives. What he's done in people's lives is amazing. And all oh, that people wouldn't know him. Oh, that I could get Christians to get their eyes off of self and off of this world and realize what we have in Jesus Christ. A wonderful Savior, a mighty God, one that cares and loves for us more than we can understand. Tell of His wonderful works unto man, tell of His saving grace, how that He saved you, plucked you from the burning, how that He set your feet on a solid rock. He established your going. I think there in 1975, middle of May, on a Wednesday night, how did he reach down and pick me up out of that horrible pit, that miry clay, set my feet on a solid rock, established my going, and my friend, my name was written down in glory. Could I get an amen right there? Hey, I tell you what, it's just good to know that you're saved. Know that you're going to heaven. Know that Jesus Christ is your Lord. We need to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. We need to let our heart burn for Him. We need to let our heart be stirred for Him. Lift up your voice as a trumpet to this world that is lost in the wilderness of sin. For the day of the Lord is at hand. It was a voice crying in the wilderness. And I look at all that I see today. And people are in the wilderness and they need to hear a voice. They're hearing all kinds of voices, but they need to hear a clear voice. They need to hear a voice that will proclaim the coming of the Lord. They need to hear a voice that is coming from a person who their life matches the voice Over the years I've heard different preachers preach on the radio or on tape and everything. And all of a sudden you get that opportunity to see them in life or you see them on a video and they start preaching, you thought that voice came from that. The voice don't even match the body. Do you know what it'll be today? As our voice preaches, as our voice proclaims. As our voice lifts up, this life ought to match the voice. A voice in a wilderness. I believe with all my heart, if we'll be that voice in the wilderness, they'll come. They'll come to Jesus Christ. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercies of God. Help us to be a voice a voice in the wilderness, not just as preacher, but every born-again Christian were to be that voice, to lift up Jesus Christ, to proclaim the coming of our Lord, to warn, to snatch from the burning, to love, to care, to show in humility our wonderful Savior. Lord, have your will in way this morning. There may be somebody this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't know if they died today that they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray that they'd come during the invitation. Let me take a Bible, show them how to be saved. Lord, let that voice speak to their heart. The Holy Spirit of God speak to their heart this morning and draw them. For we know that you return is soon. Lord, help us to have that voice that reaches others. Lord, I pray that we would stand true to you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?